growing us as a church body in the name of Jesus. Father, we love you. We honor you. We see this place full and overflowing with the people that you desire to bring here to collect upon this same place to get hold of this vision, Lord, and to start putting their hands to that work, Lord. I thank you, Father, that, Lord, we see it full. We see it full. Hallelujah. We love you. We honor you. And we praise you. We thank you. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we honor you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And all God people said, Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be back in church tonight. Amen. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. It's good to be here. I know this is the second Sunday that you haven't gone to church on Sunday morning. I realize that you're probably thinking, wow. But you're getting used to it, huh, already, huh? You're thinking, man, it's kind of nice sleeping in on Sunday. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord for all you football fanatics. Amen. I can't guarantee I'll get you there before it starts. But we, you know, hopefully you'll DVR it possibly and watch the game if you're into that sort of things. I mean, when my team's not in, I don't even care for the NFL anymore. Amen. You know, I'm a college guy. Go Gators. Amen. Hallelujah. Just thought I'd throw that out there for you. Amen. Yeah. I mean, we got a, we got a lot going on in this church right here with college people. Amen. There's a diversity going on in this place. Amen. But at least it's NCAA, right? We can agree with that. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, it's good to be here tonight. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. You've seen this scripture before. Amen. Hallelujah. We want to look at this. Man, the world needs your gift. The world needs your gift. Hallelujah. Come on, the world needs your gift. Hey, listen, I don't want you to get discouraged. I don't want you to even be thinking any thoughts other than success. Okay? Because I want you to understand something. Jesus, listen, he had a ministry for three years. Okay? Jesus had a ministry for three, about three and a half years, Pastor Brian, on the face of the planet, I mean, when he started his ministry, okay? And this man performed all kinds of miracles. I mean, we read about this. I mean, we're talking his fame spread so wide with this man that guess what? He couldn't even go into towns anymore. He had to stay to outlining areas because he couldn't even get up in there. Amen? And when vision starts to move, starts to get to a point where it's getting ready to break loose with certain things, you know what? It pulls out people to come alongside you, but it also pulls out people who want to come against you. Okay? Uh, the, your enemies wake up when you start getting serious about your vision, about your purpose. Okay? Because the enemy don't want you to succeed. He wants you to barely get through in life. He wants you to think all you've got in life is the job that you're at, and this is the best it's going to be, and you just be lucky that you're born again and can actually go somewhere after you die. But you know what? Jesus came with a better message than that, and that is the greater one lives on the inside of you. You can accomplish much right now. The works that I do, even greater works will you do, and he don't want you to know that. And so Jesus walks on this earth for three, three and a half years, and when he dies on the cross, they all abandon him. All of them. Where's the crowd? Where's everybody? I mean, they quit leaving. I mean, they took off. I mean, they, they, they just they quit coming to him. They started to leave. Well, it's a good thing Jesus understood his purpose was more important than his popularity. Amen? Hallelujah. If I was in ministry for popularity, I'd be in the wrong business. And if I was in it for popularity, I'd be such a compromising minister because I'd have to compromise my message all the time just to keep people around. 
Amen? But when we preach the Word, when we start pulling value out of people, and I look at Chuck and I say, Chuck, man, there's something on the inside of this man right here, and the Lord's destined him for a place so that he can explode in, in the workplace to bring great influence for the kingdom. They're going to look at his life and they're going to say, my gosh, man, I want to know what you're doing. Jimmy, same way, man. I mean, I've known this guy since he was 16 years old, man. I mean, that's phenomenal that God would put us back together. I mean, the last time I played bass was the last time we were together. I mean, I don't play bass down in St. Augustine. I mean, they hardly let me touch one because we got some guys we can play. And I told Frank today he'll be here in a couple of weeks. He's one of our bass players. I said, I've been playing bass up there. He said, well, I'll make sure I work the sound that day so I can turn you down. <laughs> Amen? But there's greatness in this guy. There's purpose going on. And, and the devil don't want that to come out. He's afraid. He don't want him to be going to work and people seeing peace in his life and seeing joy in his life and seeing his family change and seeing his marriage blossom and see his kids grow up and do great exploits for the kingdom. Don't want that. But Jesus said, man, I'm going to do my purpose. I'm not here for popularity. I'm here to do my purpose. Then he raises from the dead. He gets up out the grave and goes around and talks to 500 people. Yet on the day of Pentecost, only 120 show up. You're thinking to yourself, man, this guy's the Messiah. You saw him do all this work. Now you see him after you saw he was in the grave. And you still can't get connected and come to the upper room? Now, if Jesus couldn't get people to connect, we sure can't get upset when people won't always connect with us. But what we can do is we can run with purpose. And be excited about that, because when you run in your purpose, nobody can stop you. They couldn't stop Jesus. They could not kill Him before His time. He laid His own life down. Nobody can stop you of your purpose. Jesus still rose up. He spoke to others, but only 120, and 120 that showed up and, and, and stayed and tarried and continued to pray and was in, continuing in one mind, one accord. Those people had the Holy Ghost come on them, and they shook that city. And 3,000 came in. So, man, I want you to be excited. Be excited, man, and do not grow weary in your well-doing. I mean, let's just go ahead and clean the slate. Let's say, man, this is a new day. we got a new thing going on. we got what the vision is going on. We are all in our fit and our purpose, and we're going to accomplish something great for the kingdom in this city. Amen. I preach like this whether it was full or whether it was just Jimmy here. I'm going to preach this way. Why? Because it's my passion. It's what I do. It's my purpose. Hallelujah. The city just hadn't woke up enough to understand that greatness is right around their corner. And there's all kind of people with greatness in them. And they're going to get drawn. It's coming. And they're already been pulled a little bit. And I can tell you right now, I've been wanting to do a billboard like this. I hadn't done it yet. But you've heard me say it. Listen, man, I want to put a billboard up that says, just do what you've been thinking. Come on to Anchor Faith Church. Because you know they're thinking that. I know they're thinking it because God will send them to a place where they will where the Word will be spoken and the truth will be preached and His untainted message is going to come out. And sure, we may wake up every devil in hell in this city and every religious spirit, but that's okay because the greater one's in us. My gosh, man. Hallelujah. Preach myself happy, man. Glory to God. I'm telling you, man, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited about what God's doing, man. We, Pastor Arnell, he's leaving tomorrow to hit Puerto Rico. I prayed with him. I said, you have favor. You're going to get that building. We're going to have us a church down there, and we're going to launch that thing. And I was, man, I'm excited about God expanding us. How many more people are we going to connect and pull greatness out of them to touch and impact places for their kingdom? Amen? We have purpose. Well, he told Jeremiah here in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, he says this. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a 
future and a hope. Now listen, that's not plans for welfare to put you on welfare where you're stuck on welfare. No, that's welfare. That's something good. Amen? He has plans to benefit you. He has plans. I mean, you might as well just go ahead and tell yourself right now, God has a plan for my life. The biggest struggle you have is trying to figure out what that plan is. And it's really not a struggle when you seek Him. you just got to continue to keep yourself submitted to do His will. And don't let nobody get you off. Don't let nobody try. Because you understand, the enemy will love to keep you from fulfilling this plan. The plan He has for you. Before the foundations of the earth, He knew you. He formed you in your mother's womb. You are wonderfully uh, created by God. He knows you by name. He knows every hair on your head. And He wants to do greatness in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. I think if I preach loud enough, they'll still hear me and the children. Glory to God. Amen. Uh, God's Word says it this way. He says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace and not disaster. Plans that give you a future filled with hope. You know what's positive about a future filled with hope? Hope is a confident expectation, which means you, have, you can confidently expect that your future is better than your now. That your future is better than your now. Because right now, wherever you're at, the future is even better. And if it isn't that great right this second, guess what? It's temporary. It's just passing through. You're going to get to the other side. If you don't grow weary, if you don't stop, if you don't let things stop you, if you keep pressing, you're going to come to the other side of greatness. Amen? Hallelujah. Y'all like looking at yourself? You don't like that, do you? See, it's like we got undivided attention now. Because if you're not looking at me, you're staring at yourself. Now you know what I'm talking about. You know the problems I was having back there. I understand. See what I'm saying? I was struggling. Every time I sit down in a little restaurant, man, and the movie, the little TVs are going, man, it just my eyes go to it all the time, man. I just get rid of that. Get rid of that. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then you worship yourself. You're seeing yourself. You just close your eyes, man. We worship. Amen. Becomes you and God. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn over to Proverbs 18 and verse 16. So God has a plan for your life. Amen. And listen, the world needs you. You're not a mistake. I don't care whether your mom got pregnant before she's supposed to, whether you were out of wedlock. That's irrelevant. Nobody's on the planet where God says, whoo, where'd they come from? There ain't happening. It ain't happening. Which means he has destiny for you. He has purpose. He has assignment. He has people already to come by your path. He has laborers that he wants to send by. There are people praying for laborers to come by your path. He wants you to get born again in his kingdom, and he wants to reveal his purpose for you. You're not a mistake. And there's a gift. And listen, I don't care how old you are or how young you are today, get in the purpose and let Him accelerate the end. Let you get to that place. Hallelujah. Amen. More people go out of church, only, uh, and not because God doesn't love them, but because they can't give up themselves in order to fulfill the plan. Because when you're confronted with the gift that you are, you've got to recognize there's some things that's got to come off me in order for me to fulfill all that God wants for me. Amen. But man, when we do that, I tell you right now, it's the greatest life on the face of the planet, is it not? Come on, is it not? Hallelujah. Look what it says here, Proverbs 18, 16. It says this, A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Now, when you see the word great men, you may think presidents, you know. Listen, what is great men? Well, it depends on who that person is. You know, we think of people in, in, in government positions, and yes, there are certain things like that. You'll come before mayors, you become before congressmen, governors, before people of great influence. But you understand, Jimmy's a great man. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, Pastor Mark's a great man. There, there's greatness in these people here as well. Amen. 
Cynthia, she's a great woman. And you should begin to pull on those things and you get before people where there's influence. Your gift make room for you. See, nobody can stop you from accomplishing God's will because your gift will make room. You've ever heard people that say this, Oh, well, Pastor, you know, you're just keeping me down. You're not allowing me to spread my wings and fly. Pastors can't do that. Your gift make room for you. If somebody said, well, they just don't give me opportunity, your gift make room for you. You keep holding on, your gift make room for you. You don't have to come and tell me your prophet is so-and-so and prophet this, that, and apostle so-and-so. Listen, your gift make room for you. Your gift make room for you. Why? Because it has to. The Lord said it would. It made room for you and bring you before great men. And if you will give yourself to this gift that's on the inside of you, this plan and purpose that God has for you, then it don't matter how hard they try to stop you, it will still make room for you. King Saul tried to kill King David, but it could not accomplish the task because greatness was on the inside of him and his gift was going to make room for him to make him king of Israel. And King David would not take the throne before God gave it to him, though he was already anointed for it. He would not take the death of Saul in his own hands. He waited till, death, till God removed him from that position. Then he assumed it. Amen. So you understand, your gift will make room for you. There is nothing that people can do to try to stop you, and, 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 and leadership over you can't squelch that. Your gift will make room for you. Hallelujah. But then you get hooked up in a vision where people are drawing on that gift and pulling on that gift and, and making a demand on that gift and want to see that thing come out. Well, man, that's the greatest place for your gift to flourish and, and fly. I mean, I look at these three guys on the front row right here. I mean, I remember when we first started the church down in St. Augustine, these two came and actually lived in my house. I mean, I had never even met Mark, maybe one time, maybe one time in Tulsa, but I never really formally had a conversation with him. And this guy shows up about 9.30 at night. His dad drops him off. Then he meet his dad. He comes in the house skinnier than he is right now. And white. I'm talking transparent, man. I could see blue veins flowing through his body. Dude, it was rough. I thought, my gosh. Now, this is a true statement. When he was at Ramah, the dean stopped him to make sure he's eating enough food. They were concerned that he was sickly, but he just looked that way. He looked jaundiced, however old he was. I mean, you're 27 now, right? So how old were you when you came? 20? 21. 21. He looked like he's just, man, rough. Oh, my gosh, what's in my house? Hallelujah. Amen? I mean, Pastor Marcus, man, he was in our youth ministry when I was in Sand Springs, Oklahoma, and um, there was a season where it was just, you know, kind of touch and go on whether or not he was going to continue to come down and help us, you know. And I remember sitting down with him at a uh, winter Bible at Ramah, and he told me at IHOP, he said, I'm not coming, I can't do it, I'm, I'm not going to leave. He had this other little dream in his heart that he wanted to do. I said, okay. So I started looking out for someone else to come and do worship. And I knew this was the man, but I can't make him come. I can't make him. Amen. So I'm looking for someone else. I'm talking to other people. I talked to May, uh, uh, Shuttlesworth. What's her name? Megan Shuttlesworth. I'm talking to her. I'm saying, hey, you know, what can we do? You know anybody? Da, 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 da. And I'm looking. Well, about two months later, he called back and says, well, I'd like to come, you know, and do the opening service with you. Oh, okay. Well, come on. And then, you know, through that first year, you know, there was transitions that were going on. And I remember he, he said, thank you for not giving up on me. Well, praise God. I mean, your gift make room for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Patient with people. We've got to be patient with people. Amen. It's time to be patient. And this other guy right here, Josh, my. They take the rest of the service. I won't be able to preach anything else for you if I go with him. Amen. I mean, he's a little chunky kid, man, and insecure. It's all get out. But you been, begin to build something in them, pull something out of them. How old were you when I came to the depot? 
13, 12, 12 years old. He's 23 today. I mean, that's a long time I've known these people. You understand what I'm saying? A long time. I mean, some of the longest relationships I have here. Now, you and I, we, we trump them all, baby. You and me, man, we go way back. Amen. You see, I mean, we pull in on them. Did we not do this even in Stark? I mean, we make a demand, always say, man, you got something in you. You're doing something great. Always in. Why? Because your gift will make room. It's my job as a pastor to help you find your gift and pull it out. And that's what we're doing. I'm telling you, you're able to do more than you think you can. And when you think you can't do it, I'll show you and help you overcome so that you can do this thing. Glory to God, man. And you understand, I know, man, I can come here and you say, well, Pastor Earl, man, you only preach to a few people. Hey, we're preaching to a city because don't you know these words of faith are getting beyond these walls and they're hitting these houses out here and the Spirit of God's moving and starting to wake them up and say, hey, 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 there's a word right here in your back door. I don't have to be in their house. All I got to do is be in faith and call these places full. And you don't have to see them today, but all you got to do is usher and act like you, you picking up all kind of stuff from people and, and ministering. And we greeting all kind of people coming through the door. And we're ministering to all kind of kids. All we got to do is see it, say it, speak it out like the centurion. Just speak the word only and the Lord start drawing people. Hallelujah. He'll do this. I've seen it done time and time again. He'll do it in this city. You know, it may be a little tough plow, but that's okay. We're strong in the Lord. Why? Because God make room for us. Do you understand? We're a gift to this city. Hallelujah. I about preached myself out of this thing. You hear what I'm saying? We're a gift to this city. You personally are a gift to humanity, but the church is a gift to humanity. And this city needs this church. I'm not saying we're the best church in this city. But I will say this, we have a significance in this city. And whether they want to... Listen, if I had a present, you understand, I said it's my phone, I had it all, and I went to go give it away, you know, I said, oh, and she may not want my gift. She may throw it away, think it's a piece of junk. It doesn't make it any less a gift. Right? You're concerned it was loaded with gator stuff, I know, that's what it was. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't make it any less a gift. Right? We are a gift to this city. Hallelujah. And whether people accept the gift doesn't make it any less a gift. All right, let's look at this. The uh, complete Jewish Bible reads it this way. A person's gift clears his way and gives him access to the great. Whoo, ma, ma, ma. I'm going to read that again. The complete Jewish Bible reads it this way. A person's gift clears his way and gives him access to the great. Hallelujah. We're going to have access. We're going to have access all over this city. We're going to have access. You're going to have access at your job. You're going to have access to people in your, in your workplace. You're going to have access to great people, and you're going to make great influence, and they're going to say, man, I've got to have you do this. I need to promote you. I need to put you here. We've got Joseph's in this room. We've got uh, Esther's in this room right now. We've got people of greatness who are, are called for such a time as this to bring the gift to the city. That's what we're doing, both individually and corporately. As a body. Now look at John chapter 15, verse 13. Jesus understood he was a gift. Okay? And he's our example. We've got to recognize this. That he was a gift. And it says, Greater love has no one than this than one to lay down his life for his friend. What's he saying? Lay down his will, lay down what he wants to do to pick up what God wants him to do. That's what Jesus is saying. He said, Listen, no greater love than this than one who lay down his life for his friend. You lay down your life. It says, If you try to save your life, you'll what? 
lose it. But if you try to lose your life for His sake, you'll what? Find it. Amen. Your gift has got to dominate you. It's got to dominate you. You've got to know it and be settled in it. Be confident in it. Be excited about it. You understand, I didn't make myself a pastor. I didn't do that. God called me. And He says, and He gave gifts unto men. And some as apostles and some as teachers and some as evangelists and pastors and prophets. Pastors is a gift. I didn't make myself that. He apprehended me. He laid hold of me and I'm trying to lay hold of that which He laid hold of me. I'm trying to walk in that gift, that calling that He called on my life. And I make a demand on the office. And when you make a demand on the office, then you get the gift of the office. But if you don't make a demand on it, you don't get the gift of the office, though the office is still a gift. So that if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll get a prophet's what? Reward. If you receive a teacher in the name of a teacher, you'll receive a teacher's reward, which means what? You'll get the gift of that particular office. But if you don't receive the gift, it's no, it's no less a gift. That's why the Bible says the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Because you need. See, we need each other. Woo, come on. Amen? We need each other. And one of the greatest things we've got to do within the church is to get rid of this independent spirit and become dependent on one another to function and have a greater corporate anointing and, and, and know that when you get in your assignment, it don't matter what anybody else is doing. Nobody can do what you're doing because you're gifted to do it and you're anointed to do it and they need you as much as you need them. Hallelujah. And that's when real unity will start flowing. We talked about unity last week. Remember that? So Jesus says this, or, or, or it's spoken of Jesus in John chapter 3, verse 16. You know this scripture, right? It says, For God so loved the world that He what? Gave. He gave. It's a gift. He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but what? Have eternal life. See, Jesus is a gift. He gave Jesus to the world. Jesus knew He was a gift. Look what it says in John chapter 4, verse 10. John chapter 4, verse 10. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Isn't it good to have live worship? Amen. Isn't it good to just be able to come and worship the Lord? Praise God, man. We come together in unity. We come together excited, passionate. And I'm saying right now, we are, we are deliberate to not do anything outside of this month right now. I, we just want to come and know who's in the body now. That's all. Because I'm going to tell you right now, we love what's going on here. And I'm going to tell you right now, you might as well get ready because this chair and 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 this chair is going to fill up. We're going to get it filled up. We're going to fill Why? Because you have a passion for it. The city needs the gift. They need you and it's going to fill up. But I don't want you to think that all of a sudden, oh, we just swept who was here away and we're looking for new. No, we always want to expand because we are not a small church. We are a beginning church and we, are, and we have the heart of the Father that none would perish but that all would come to repentance. We want to give away the gift of Jesus and the gift of His kingdom. So we got to expand. we got to always be excited about somebody else coming. Amen? But we want to just come and get... Why? I don't want to come up in here and say, okay, we're going to change that, da 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 Why? I, I got this sense in the Spirit. Where are we going? What's the Lord doing? How does He want us to move here? You understand? you got to hear. you got to feel the atmosphere. you got to see what the Spirit of God's saying about something. Because things have been going great. But see, now my gift, the way I operate, is a little different than Pastor Brian. And that's okay. No problem. But we complement one another constantly. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you right now, Wednesday night, man, it's off the chain. It's good stuff. That little Bible study that we're doing there with the interaction, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to grow up like that. I mean, are you drawing on and pulling things out? I'm going to tell you, we accelerate your spiritual growth on Wednesday nights. need to be here. Amen? People all the time are looking for Bible studies. Hallelujah. This is the best man to do a Bible study. Why? Because he can control the opinions of people. 
Because, see, that's why people want Bible study, so they can go and give their opinion about what they're hearing. No, no, when the teacher's there, he rightly divides. And when they start throwing out all kinds of stuff, say, no, what's this say? With that photographic memory, man, and be able to keep people in, in check, can rightly divide the word of truth. Hallelujah. Amen. Because we don't want to be living a lie. We don't want to be living in deception. We want to be rightly dividing the word of truth, and we can ask these questions, and that's what we do here on Wednesday night. Praise God for that. Amen. Jesus understood he was the gift. Look what it says. Jesus answered and said to her, this is the woman at the well. She came, you know, to get water. And Jesus said, you need to give me some water. Right? And he goes on and says this. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who, who, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The first thing Jesus recognized this is that I'm a gift. He knew he was a gift. Right? He knew who he was. He knew he possessed living water and he could give it away. Jesus knew he was a gift. He knew who he was. He possessed something and he could give it away. Sounds a lot like what Jesus said to us. He said, freely you receive, freely. He told the disciples at the 70 when he sent them out, he said, when you go, go preach the kingdom. Raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons, freely you re... And these were people that weren't born again yet. Freely you receive, freely what? Listen, you are a gift. You've got to discover who you are. Pastor Brown's going to start this Wednesday. He's going to start talking to you about sonship, about who you are in Christ. It's so important to understand who you are. Because you are a gift. I'm telling you right now tonight, you are a gift. You need to find out who you are and that you possess something. Not only do you possess it, but you can give it away. You've got to know this thing. Jesus recognized this about himself. That's why he could go to the cross. That's why Jesus himself could say, listen, I go lay my life down. You see what I'm saying? He gave himself up for us. He knew he was the gift of God. To save the world, humanity, get them out of uh, disobedience and get them back into a righteous lifestyle where their spirit man would be uh, created in the likeness of God in the original tent in the image of the Almighty. Glory to God. Amen? And thank God He fulfilled that. Thank God He didn't allow people to pressure Him or circumstances to push Him off course, but He stayed focused on, I'm a gift, I know who I am, I possess living water, I'm going to give it away, and I know what's required of me by the Father to fulfill my purpose. You're a gift. I thank God that Jesus didn't get up to the pinnacle when the devil tempted Him and says, I'll give you all these kingdoms of the world if you'll just bow down and worship me. And He says, man, that's a good deal, I'll take it. I'm glad he didn't do it. Amen? I'm glad that when they were punching him and they were pulling his beard out and they put the crown of thorns on his head and they put that robe on him and they were beating him with the staff, right? And they whipped and scourged his back that, you know, he didn't say, I'm this enough. Amen? Like when they came to the garden, right? After him, before all that, that he said, I call a legion of angels down right now. Good thing he didn't. No, we ain't doing this. I don't know how you would have called him. Sick them, boys. Get on them. Right? I mean, it had been over. Been over. Like that. I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad that when he was carrying that cross, he thought, I just can't. Because you understand, all that on the for physical suffering is nothing compared to being separated from Daddy. That's the problem. Jesus wasn't so much concerned about physically being beat up and abused as much as it was my spirit's fixing to be away from Daddy for three days. I'm fixing to take on something I'm not. 
For the man who knew no sin became sin. That's the problem. But he did it for who? Us, so that then the gift of God in us can be released in the earth. And if he fulfilled his, we're going to fulfill ours. Amen? We're going to fulfill ours. We're going to do this thing. So look what it says here in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus was a gift. Amen? His whole life's a gift. Well, you're a gift. And we receive that gift by receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that is not of yourself. It is what? The gift of God. Well, Jesus is the gift. What about our gift? What about us? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Amen? We've looked at this, but we're going to kind of keep going over here because we've got to recognize as a body. Listen, this right here, what we got going on in this church right now, is enough to blow this place up. But about us to state blazers, they don't even know blazing yet. They don't even understand what blazing means yet. Because when the Holy Ghost and fire start dropping all over the place, amen, when this ignite, the city starts showing up, and that fire starts to manifest and starts blazing, all the blazers will come and get more blazed. Amen. And anyone who was all associated with that call, I'm telling you right now, we, it's in us. It's in us. It's in this church body. It's in this ministry. It's in this vision for such a time as this. We can do this. Hallelujah. And God right now by His Spirit out there talking to people and calling people in and speaking to people and people that come here and there are going to start coming more and those who ain't even here are going to come more and those who don't even know we're out here, He thinks they'll find out. Amen. And we all going to work together. I'm telling you right now, St. Augustine, the other, uh, other location is so jacked about here. So, I mean, we had a whole bunch of ladies make cookies just so to, uh, just to bless the church. Wow, we connected. I mean, they're praying. They're excited about here. I mean, I've got uh, Amy's uh, husband, Kenny. Uh, he's, they got a little three-day weekend with the um, President's Day. And they're like, man, put, do a push. Let's see how many people we can get from there up here. I mean, they're excited about being able to make this impact. Because for St. Augustine, this is an impact. For Valdosta, St. Augustine's an impact. We're both wanting to ignite the city. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 says, For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, Because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. See, people do that. So, well, you know, I just don't fit in. Look, man, don't talk like that. You can't say that. People fit. And I'm going to say right now, there's only one truth. I love, God love it. There's only one truth. There's only one spirit. There's only one truth. I'm going to tell you right now, we're not competing with churches at all. There's no competition. There's none. The question is, who's preaching truth? If they're preaching truth, praise God. They're for us and not against us. But when they're not preaching truth, then guess what? They're really not a church. They may have a name out there, but that don't mean they're church. Amen? That's why we go through the Word. That's why you're going to get so much Scripture. That's why you get all this so that you can actually grow by it and become who God has gifted you to be. So it goes on and says, And if the ear says, Because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body, where, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desires. Look at that. But now God, God did this. God did this, Jimmy. God did this. I remember when Jimmy was in Stark still. Him and his wife came through. And I, I'm thinking, Starks, that's local. 
I say that, but it's two hours. You know, I mean, it's an hour and a half. Okay, so it's really not local. But for me, I'm thinking, hey, man, a good word church, you just, whatever. I mean, people drive an hour just to go to work every day. And, and, and mammon is, not a, is a poor substitute for God. Poor substitute for God. It'll leave you broke. Okay? And so, you know, he's doing this, and then next thing you know, Pastor Brian and I had gotten some conversation. The Holy Ghost is orchestrating some things so that we can start an anchor faith church. And then I hear, I hear Jimmy say, well, I'm moving to Val Dawson. I'm like, praise God. Because there's an anchor faith church, man, in Valdosta. You can't get away. Why? Because there's a place. God has placed him in this vision. Now, he's not in St. Augustine, but he's sure in this town. And he's just as much connected to ignite the city, impact the nation, influence the world as anything. That God said, my gosh, man, Jimmy's connected. He's going to Valdosta, and I got something working there anyway. He's going to get connected there. Hallelujah. We're going to do great things. Praise the Lord. I was thinking maybe you ought to learn the bass. Just thinking. <laughs> All right. So look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So we've got to give ourselves to the gift now. God's placed us here. So you want to excel. I'm telling you, you want to please God more than you please your employer, more than you please your spouse. Because I'm telling you, if you're pleasing God, you'll please your spouse and you'll please your employer. Now, that doesn't mean that your employer won't get mad at you or your spouse for that matter. The point is, is that if you're always pleasing to God, you're going to take care of the rest. And the Lord has positioned you. He has placed you in the body where it pleases Him because you're a gift. Which means He knows where you're assigned and what that assignment requires and what He's got to pull up out of you so that that assignment will fulfill its purpose. And when you recognize that, then you need to give yourself to that gift. You need to pursue that thing with all your heart. Now, I know I was called to pastor. I remember this. I was in Atlanta, Georgia. My wife and I had left um, um, Florida, and um, I had just come off a Title X tour with the uh, Florida National Guard and um, uh, during the first uh, desert storm, and that, that whole thing was ending. And so I was having a transition with a job, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me about going to Atlanta. So we left Atlanta, I went and moved in with my dad, and I, and I thought, this is what I thought, well, her dad's not saved, her brother's not saved, his family, nothing. Nobody's saved up there. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go up there, and we're going to show them how to live for God, and he's going to give us a house and a job, and then we're going to be blessed, and they're going to say, we want what you have, and they're all going to get saved. So I get up there, right, and I, and I move into my father-in-law, and we're looking for a place. I ain't even got a job yet. And we're already looking for an apartment to rent. And my father-in-law said, why don't you just stay here? Now, on the inside, I'm thinking, I'm not staying here because I'm fixing to show you how to live for God. So I said, no, we're going to find a place. So then he asked me again, well, are you sure you don't want to just stay here? No, we're going to find a place. Are you sure you don't want to stay here? No, we're going to find a place. And we found a place. And we moved all our stuff over. And that night, the plague of Egypt came out. I mean, roaches, man. I ain't seen so many roaches in my life. I'm telling you, at this place, it didn't seem... I mean, I put my deposit down. I mean, roaches are coming all over the place. We have an apartment. I already have uh, two kids. And we took a, my wife took a pregnancy that te- test that night, and she's pregnant again. Well, it didn't take me long to realize, I need to go back home with Daddy. Hallelujah. So I called and said, hey, can we come back? And I know I just, Lord, wait, I don't want to lose that deposit. And you know what? He gave it back to me. And we moved everything back over the next day. And I never did get out of that house. I was there a year. And this whole time, I'm thinking, 
that, you know, we're going to do something. Well, good news is my brother-in-law did get born again, and so did his wife. And that'd be a great story if they only stayed their course because later on they got divorced, his wife cheated on him. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. I want you to understand that. Because today we can be all happy, happy, happy on February 6, 2011. But if 15 years from now you've done derailed yourself and doing something wrong, then guess what? Stay your course. Stay your course. But he's still doing good. My brother-in-law is. Hallelujah. Still going to church. He's been remarried since then. Got a good family. Hallelujah. Amen. Doing, doing good. My father-in-law eventually got born again. He actually lives with us. Amen. Well, that's good. We're excited about that. And, you know, God's done some other things with some other family members while we were there. But I never did get out. Never did. I was there for a whole year. And why did I leave? Well, because I was driving to work one day in Atlanta, Georgia. Six lanes of traffic, man. And I was just praying in my Ford Ranger. And all of a sudden, my windshield just disappeared. And I saw myself preaching to hundreds of thousands of people. And I knew right then I was called a pastor. I knew right then. I wasn't a youth pastor. I mean, I was just called a pastor. I knew that. But you understand, I didn't get to the senior pastor position until seven years ago. Which means God placed me in certain bodies at different times, and I fulfilled a role there, though inside me was a gift to be a keeper of a vision. But it just wasn't time. When I met Jimmy, that was the first time I actually got a shot to actually do something. I mean, I was doing some things with this one Baptist church, and next thing you know, I've come back to Florida, and then, you know, I, I'm hungry for God. Uh, but I'm not finding it in the denominational church. And I got over into the Assembly of God, got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and, and, and I start doing a youth ministry with one person. The pastor asked me to do kids because there was a lot, but I said, well, could I do youth? I feel a little more led that way, but I'd do whatever he wanted me to do. He said, okay, well, we got one, do that. And it blew up, didn't it? It blew up. It was great, man. We went from one teenager to 75. Two prison systems were coming in stark. In stark. Wow. It was awesome. And why? It was preparation. And I'll be honest with you, man, I was 25 years old. I thought, man, I'm in my prime. You know, I need to go full-time now, man. I'm in my prime. I mean, I was so energetic, man. I was all over the place, man. I was, I was skinnier. I mean, I was all over the place. But you know what? I didn't know hardly nothing. I mean, I, I was a better youth pastor to them than I ever was to Jimmy. And I preached as best I could. I knew as much as I knew. I mean, I, I, was, I was listening as much as I could be. That little thing right there don't like me. Amen? I mean, I was passionate. But when I grew more in God, I was actually a better youth pastor as far as content, things that I knew, the expansion of things. Because I don't think at any, at any time as a youth pastor with Jimmy, I ever gave an altar call for the baptism of the Holy Spirit without speaking in tongues. Never did, even though I was a tongue talker. Amen? Yeah, I know it looks bad, but i got to keep it up, okay? Just, are we family here, right? Y'all okay? I mean, ain't got no video cameras. We ain't live on the net or nothing. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, I take the whole thing off. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, just my best. If it weren't for the fact we're just recording, I'd take Oh, okay. Keep popping out on me. All right. Hallelujah. It's not used to that running around, I guess. Okay. So I gave, what I'm saying is, is I knew I was called, but I gave myself to where I was assigned. When I went to Rhema, I didn't touch youth at all. I was in children's ministry. I was Gilligan. 
How's Gilligan? And my wife was Mary Ann. I thought Gilligan and Mary Ann had something. Anyway, I thought that. Okay? And so we, I mean, I, I, I would go to Walmart and little kids come and say, Gilligan. Yeah. I mean, wherever you needed me, I'm just going, why? There was, why? Because there's a gift in me. I may not be keeper of the vision yet. Amen. My tie's a little short, isn't it? It's hidden in the uh, thing. See, these guys don't cut you no slack, man. See what happens when you're around people that long? They ever... Come on, man. Thanks. Hallelujah. <laughs> Listen, and you just enjoy this. See, you, listen, you on the ground floor of something great. You see what I'm saying? I mean, don't wait till it gets to 150, 200, 300, 5,000 people. Don't wait. I mean, get on on the ground floor. Amen. Aren't you glad you came in on the ground floor? Aren't you glad you were there when we only had like 25 there in St. Augustine and we were doing everything and we were preaching and going crazy and they say, you know, you know, we've grown and grown and grown and it's going to be happening here. Hallelujah. Amen. So you just got to give yourself to, the, to your gift. Allow God to pull some things. He'll continue to transition you and position you, but there's things you're learning on every level. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Look what it says. It says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we are imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself may not, will not be disqualified. Here's Paul saying, listen, man, I gave myself to my gift. I mean, if anybody's going to accomplish this gift, I'm going to accomplish this gift. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm going to put myself in a position to discipline myself, to give myself to this thing and accomplish it. That way, when it's all said and done, I can't be disqualified for something because I kept myself right. Amen. And we're in a society of, of, of great undiscipline. Amen. But when we discipline ourselves for our Lord because we're in a kingdom and He's supreme in authority over our lives and we discipline ourselves to seek His faith, to do His will and let the gift that He's placed within us come out, then you understand we're going to win the prize. Not only will we win it individually, but we'll win it corporately as a body as well. Amen. Hallelujah. Now turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, you're good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 says this, No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. Well, what's the two things here that he's talking about? Number one, don't put things in your life that distract you from your gift. Don't allow yourself to be entangled. And you understand, Hebrew says this, lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets you. Well, we know what sin is. Sin is disobeying the word of the king, doing something we shouldn't do. But a weight isn't a sin. It's just something that slows us down. I'm going to tell you what's one of the greatest weights slowing down uh, the church today is TV. And, 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 and radio and entertainment in and of itself because we, we, I mean, you sit in front of TV and you lose seven or eight hours. 
I mean, video games, man, you'd be... Uh, you won't even eat. It's the greatest diet program on the face of the planet, man. Just watch them kids. You gonna come eat? I mean, they fall dead. Uh, three days. I mean, they fast for three days in front of that game trying to win that thing. You walk in the room, you're like, oh my gosh, man, if you go in the bathroom, what's wrong with you? I ain't seen you for three days. Their eyes are all butt out. We be the game. Why? Them images are changing, moving, and they ain't doing really nothing here. Everything's going here. You see what I'm saying? That's not sin as much as it is weight. And so, I mean, because if you could give that much attention to His Word, to your gift, to uh, understanding what He's called you to do and accomplishing that. Amen? I'm just saying you got to moderate. You understand? Because you know what? There are people all over right now in our society that have canceled service tonight if they have service because of the Super Bowl. I'm going to tell you right now, ain't none of them guys praying for you. Ain't none of them died for you. You see what I'm saying? I mean, DVR that thing if you got to see it, okay? Amen. There's nothing. There's nothing that takes precedent over this. We, so we don't want to get entangled in things that pull and keep us back from accomplishing our gift. And then the second thing he says this is that we got to compete according to the rules, which means there is a way to do it. There's a righteous way to accomplish the task. You can't cheat yourself quicker. You can't manipulate your way in. You can't try to step over people's backs to try to get to a position. No, there's a right way to do it. That's to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. And if you humble yourself, He will what? He exalt you. Let Him do it in His time. Let Him pull. So don't allow things to pull away from your gift and distract you from your gift. But then also when you're accomplishing your gift, do it the right way. David was already anointed king of the set. And when, and when his men were saying, He's pursuing us. He's always trying to kill you. He's throwing spears at you. I mean, come on, kill the man and get to the throne. And when he came into the cave to relieve himself, David could have said, Saul, I'm tired of you running me down. I'm anointed. Mm. No, but there's rules. <laughs> man, David was upset when that guy came and lied to him about killing Saul. He said, why did, you, why did you think that you could touch God's anointed? Who are you? Who are you? Amen? Hallelujah. We want to do it the right way so that we can flourish and grow. Amen? Last scripture tonight is 1 Peter chapter 4. Turn over there. 1 Peter chapter 4. Glory to God. The world needs your gift. Your gift needs it. You have a purpose in the kingdom. The world needs your gift. This is about kingdom purpose. Amen? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 says this. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in love for one another because love covers a multitude of sin. Be hospitable to one another without complaint as each one has received a special gift employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who speaks the utterances of God. Who serve, whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Christ Jesus, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So he says each one has received what? A special gift. And then he tells us to employ it. I'm telling you right now, if you'll find your gift, then every supply necessary for your life will start showing up. 
Most people are trying to work and get things, but if they would work their gift, their gift would bring the things. That's why he tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom and its righteousness, and all these things that the Gentiles are seeking will be added to you. The problem is we work in jobs to make money to get things, and you're going to work a job. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you to quit your job, but I'm saying our mentality is I work a job so that I can purchase and buy things. That's not the supply that should get your things. The supply that should get your things is your gift. Employ your gift. Serve your gift. Bring your gift to humanity, and your gift will start bringing a payment to you. And things will start showing up in your life. Debts will start to be eliminated. Supply will start getting any favor will start showing up. I'm telling you all kinds of things. Why? Because you start employing your gift. Man, you find your gift, I'm telling you right now, it's bigger than your job. Your job is a place for your influence. Because your job cannot pay you what you're worth. Because Christ's blood is worth more than silver and gold, and that's what He paid to purchase you. Which means nobody on the face of the planet can pay you what you're worth. But your gift employed in the earth will bring greatness and all your supply to you. Amen. Don't give up on your gift. Don't give up on the gift of God in you. That is where you make and, and you create greatness. That's where the greatest supply to your life will show up. Amen. I mean, there's people, they're going all over the world doing things. And you know what? They're doing it just believing God. They're bringing themselves because that's the gift. They're employing it. And as a result of that, all kind of stuff is coming to them. You're thinking, man, how come God? Why? Because they found their gift and they're employing it. Their job's not the big thing. It's their gift. Hallelujah. So we got to give ourselves to this gift. Amen? Say, I have purpose. Say, I'm a gift. Come on, say, I'm a gift. You're a gift. You're a gift. And God wants to use you. And not only are we individually gifts, this church is a gift to this city. It's a gift to this city. It's a gift. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you ever done this, parents? You put um, underwear and socks under the Christmas tree. Anybody? My parents did that. Okay, so you don't, you don't, the clothes. Do you ever do clothes as gifts? I mean, because clothes are a little more than a gift. It's kind of like need. Amen? Because when your kids, their underwear's got holes in them, you buy it. That's a gift. Now, see, don't get all excited about that. <gasps> oh, yes! Yes, it's hanged! It's hanged! They don't do that, do they? But it's a gift when you don't have them. Right? You see what I'm saying? See, some gifts, what we consider valuable, others kind of, well, whatever. Boy, thank God for underwear. Ain't that right, Jimmy? Thank God for underwear. <laughs> Amen. Thank God. You're wearing a couple pair, I think Josh is. Amen. I'm just kidding. You, it's a gift nonetheless. Man, my mom, my mom used to put socks and stuff. You're thinking, she just, I mean, we look like we had so much, but she just put all of her, here's one pair. I mean, she'd get a six-pack and then break them up, and it'd be six pairs.